This episode is sponsored by 511 Tactical, a company that I've used for around 14 years now and continue to use to this day. And they are offering you, the audience, a 15% discount, not on one purchase, but continuously. And I'll give you that code in just a moment. But I want to do a product showcase on their new Atlas sneakers and boots. So I'm a big believer in the fact that footwear can either improve our health or break down our health. And the Atlas sneaker actually has a new foam system that disperses the body weight, whether just the body weight, whether it's a a vest and a gun, whether it's EMS bags being carried. And on top of that, they're lightweight, despite having the same protection that's required in the tactical space. So I have a pair of Atlas sneakers myself, and I can attest they're extremely comfortable. On top of footwear, of course, 5.11 offers a gamut of uniforms and equipment, whether it's plate carriers, backpacks, flashlights, you name it, they have it. All you have to do is go to 5.11tactical.com and use the code SHIELD15. That's S-H-I-E-L-D-1-5 at 5.11tactical.com and you will save every time you purchase. And to learn more about the company 5.11 Tactical, You can listen to episode 338 of the Behind the Shield podcast with the CEO, Francisco Morales. Welcome to episode 423 of Behind the Shield podcast. As always, my name is James Gearing, and this week it is my absolute pleasure to welcome on the show, Jeff Martone. Now, Jeff is credited as one of the early instructors in Kettlebell under Pavel in the US. He also brought Kettlebell training to the tactical community working with law enforcement. He has a background in martial arts and is both an author and teacher when it comes to Kettlebell training. So before we get to that conversation, as I say every week, please just take a moment, go to whichever app you listen to this on, hit subscribe, leave feedback. I truly love reading your feedback and leave a rating. Every five-star rating elevates this podcast, making it easier for other people to find. And this is a free library of over 400 episodes now. So all I ask in return is that you help share these incredible men and women's stories so I can get them to everyone else who needs to hear them. So with that being said, I introduce to you, Jeff Martone. Enjoy. Well, Jeff, I want to start by saying thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast today. Uh, thanks for having me, James. And off the right off the bat, I want to thank George as well for connecting us. He's a rock star himself. <laughs> yeah, he is. So where on planet Earth are we finding you today? Uh, I'm in East Tennessee right now. Beautiful. All right. So I love to start at the very, very beginning. So tell me where you were born and then also what your family dynamic was like, what your parents did and how many siblings. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so I was born in a small city in between uh, Bridgeport and uh, New Haven, Connecticut. And uh, my dad's Italian, my mom's Irish. And uh, kind of call that, you know, the hybrid up that way. And uh, yeah, bro, very internally conflicted, you know. <laughs> well, it's interesting how they, we say that because, I mean, you know, I think a lot of us are uh, attached to the label. So when you hear like, you know, um, God, what's another one people talk about? But yeah, the, the, it's, for example, Italian, Irish, like, ah, oh, that's why, that's why I'm angry. And it's like, what, is that why genetically? Or have we just been kind of raised to believe that if we're from a certain heritage, then we're going to be, you know, a certain way? 
Uh, oh yeah, man. Dude, nobody's got a, you know, got the hedge on being angry. You know, so, yeah, everybody, everybody's got it going. You know, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's pretty funny. So, what did your mom and dad do? So, like uh, my mom, you know, she's a stay-at-home mom, and uh, you know, she did some odd jobs, part-time stuff. Uh, growing up, you know, she's always there for us and stuff. Uh, my dad, he was actually a, he was a salesman, and later on became a sales manager for uh, for Panasonic. So that, that's kind of you know what he did professionally and stuff. You know, my my both my I'll just kind of give you a little background. Both my grandfathers on um, both the Italian side and the Irish side, both uh, police officers. You know what I mean? So, uh, so, you know, so, so we had that on the Irish side, uh, my grandfather was a uh, professional boxer and, uh, in the, in the, in the thirties and, uh, you know, then, you know, I was in the Navy for a little bit in World War II and stuff, but, uh, dude, just stud later on went up, uh, the FBI Academy and all that. And, um, you know, retired as a captain. Okay. It was, so we, we, when you look back with your grand parents on both sides then uh, a big influence in kind of the direction that pushed you um you know they 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 definitely uh we were really blessed you know because we got longevity on both sides and uh so you know they both of them you know pretty much had influence since we were like since they were you know they died around when they were 80 or so but uh but you know as far as law enforcement not so much is yes and no you know what i mean uh Definitely. Uh, like my dad is kind of funny. He's more of a, uh, I can't put it, man. Like he also was a professional like pool player, kind of like doing that type of stuff. He's more when he was growing up, even though his, his, my grandfather was a police officer, my dad wasn't really too fond of uh, of the police. And, and my dad more like, you know, I mean, more lean towards like Goodfellas mentality. You know? <laughs> the other side of the fence. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he was a legit businessman. I mean, he wasn't a criminal or nothing, but, uh, but you know, I mean, but definitely the environment it was more like that, you know. Right now, what about athletics then? So, when you were school age, you know, what were the sports you were playing, or, or were you training? Well, you know, we started, uh, you know, baseball, basketball, um, wrestling, football. But then, as we got older, we pretty much ditched baseball and uh, basketball. Did mostly. Uh, we wrestled, you know, you know, off and on, boxed a little bit. Um, yeah, then, then definitely by the time we were in high school, it was mostly football, um, you know, martial arts, things like that. You know, I got an older brother who's um, he's he's a year older, and uh, and definitely he was he's the uh, you know like the tone setter as far as you know like Tommy. He, you know, he's also getting ready to retire. He's a police officer. And, uh, but as far as like growing up, I mean, he's, he's definitely better athlete. He's better at everything. You know what I mean? And, uh, his, his work ethic is like ridiculous. You know what I mean? He just trains like a maniac. So he really, really like kind of set the example. And he was like an awesome training partner all the way through. And, and we went to college together. We boxed together, uh, in college, we bounced together. We did everything together. You know what I mean? He's, solid solid individual well which were the uh, the first martial arts you found yourself entering well you know when we were looking here's the thing man. i'll just give you real quick you know my brother's like real wiry you know and he's like he he's like a fighter from from the womb man from the time he get out you know what i mean and uh man i was more of a very like easygoing little kid you know what i mean uh 
dude just happy just like eating food so i was like chubby believe it or not when i was little man i was i was chubby and i thought everybody everybody loved me and uh you know what i mean as far as like you know everybody's your friend type thing you know what i mean and uh you know and my dad'd be like hey you know he had a duffel bag he had clothes in it. he always you know teaches how to hit the bag and stuff and i'm talking like dude i'm talking preschool you know what i mean and uh you know like ah you know why do i need that you know what i mean and i'm like until I got jumped by like three brothers down the street. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and uh, I don't know where my brother was that day, that particular day. But when my dad and my brother came back home, you know, my mom's crying. Everybody's upset. So my dad's like, hey, so he gave me a quick lesson on how to throw hands. He's like, go down there. You know what I mean? And, and you know what I mean? Make it right. And uh, he's like, Tommy, you go down, make sure nobody jumps him. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, man, so that, that's kind of. Yeah, you know, that was kind of the start of it. And uh, honestly, my very first memory of school is this, man. Me and my brother getting off the, you know, I think we were kindergarten, first grade, getting off the bus. He was like, again, yeah, man, he's always quicker than I am. He's already off the bus and in the, in the back of the playground. And uh, as I'm turning the corner and, and get towards the playground, I see my brother, like two kids got his arms held behind him. And the other one's like hitting him in the stomach. You know what I mean? So I run up, boom, I blasted one. Tommy gets loose and these kids were like older, you know what I mean? You know, I mean, you're like, I'm in kindergarten, they're like second, third grade, whatever. And you know, my brother just waylaid them, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, dude, that was, that was the beginning, you know? So, so all growing up, my dad always, like, that he always was big on one, defending yourself, two, don't be a bully. And, uh, and, and we settled things, the old, if there's a problem in the neighborhood, my dad would glove us up, you know what I mean? And when you're done, shake hands and that's the end of it, you know? So that, that's pretty much, you know, then, uh, so, but started, then I started doing a little kickboxing when I was in eighth grade. Um, but then really when we, when we moved to Massachusetts, uh, summer of my freshman year, then we started doing like, there's a, a guy who, my, my, our instructor, he's a, he was a you know, two, he basically is kung fu. That was the style we did. We it was kung fu. Two different styles of kung fu, actually. But because of our boxing background, dude, we would like stomp people. You know, pretty quick. You know, what I mean, in that in that dojo. But uh, but you know, but I mean, our instructor was dude. That that guy was that guy had laid a foundation for the rest of our life as far as uh, not just in martial arts, but he was also a Vietnam vet. He was in special operations and things like that. And he really like you know mentored me and my brother and gave us all the skills that really set us up for success in our careers later in life that's amazing there's two things that i hear over and over again in these interviews you know one is there's usually you know with, with a lot of men and women that either became fighters became um you know law enforcement you know the protector roles mm -hmm. is bullying as an element and then another key thing for a lot of people that that found themselves ultimately on the right path was that mentor figure as well yeah yeah absolutely absolutely you know and you know and and all the things and you know you know i mean life is like everything's overcoming uh, obstacles and hardship it's, it's all character building you know what i mean and you could either have the victim mindset and you know what i mean or the victor mindset you know and uh and I tell you, you know, it's like, like my dad, like, like, you know, I joke, like our, our family is like, I come from a family of speech impediments, you know what I mean? Like, you know, my grandmother, like, you know, she spoke Italian before she spoke English. Then, then, you know what I mean? And she had some, some issue going on, you know what I mean? When she was first learning that English and stuff, my dad stuttered, 
you know, overcame that. And uh, then, you know, I couldn't pronounce my R's when I was a little kid. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's just like, there's always something, you know what I mean? You know, but, uh, but you know, it's all good times. It's all good times. Yeah, I wonder as well if some of that comes from different dialects and languages too, because my son, you know, I'm English and my son, he definitely struggled to 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 develop his speech as well as, you know, other American kids around him. And I, mm. yeah, part of that, you know, I always wonder if it's because his mother had an American accent and I had an English accent. So his ears sure. were hearing a kind of, you know, bastardized version of English. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's fine. All right. Well, then, as far as career-wise, when you were at school age, what were you dreaming of becoming when you graduated? Uh, you know, that's funny, man. Always want to, always want to go in the military, and um, just always want to be, be, you know, getting special operations things like that. That, that, that's what that was always my goal. You know, um, in, in, in really, my goal from from time I was little. You know, you know, I try not to repeat. You know, any type of bad experience that happens, I, I try not to repeat those. You know what I mean? If you, if you, you butt handed to you, you know, in a fight or something, you're like, all right, man, you always do it after action. Like, what could I have done better? How can I avoid this from happening again? You know what I mean? Um, you know, my grandfather, one of, the, one of the best advice, my grandfather on the Irish side, who who really was, he was such a humble guy. I didn't know till after, way after he, he passed away, like how much of a badass he actually was and looking at his fight records and and everything like they, the dude is a stud and he never talked about it. You know what I mean? And, uh, but one thing he did say, he's like, look, Jeff, he's like, and he's talking about the importance of being in shape. He's like, he goes, even if he goes, the guy you're fighting or whatever, he may be in better shape than you. He might be better. Uh, no, not better shape, but he may be better skilled than you. But if you're in better shape, you know, you, you can overcome it. You know what I mean? He goes, and you always stress. And he was, and this guy, he lived by example, man. He was very regimented. He was a stud until the day he died. He was always in shape, and uh, and and so so that was like a big a big thing, you know what I mean? As far as like wanting to be in shape and really be the best fighter I could I could I could be, you know what I mean? That was because that was always the emphasis, like in our family. And again, man, being you know being a protector, being whatever, you know. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So walk me through your your journey then after high school, your kind of career path into the tactical profession. Well, okay. In, 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 I gotta, I gotta kind of throw in, um, you know, a little bit about injuries. Cause, cause this, cause that, that's kind of what really like, that's how, to, uh, honestly, man, that's how the Lord kind of guided me. Cause, uh, <laughs> cause I'm such a knucklehead, man. I'm, I'm so hard headed. He had to like literally like, crush me with some de- debilitating injuries to like, you know what I mean? Make me a little more humble and uh, moldable and, you know, more, more, you know, more, a better servant to other people, you know what I mean? So, so this is, let me, let me tie it all in. So, so, you know, my senior year playing football, like I'm, I made a, a, you know, all state, I was, I was starting a offensive tackle, defensive tackle, but the, the issue I was having my senior year was even, even from our very first football camp is dude, I started dislocating my shoulder, my right shoulder. And, uh, and dude, I just, you know, I mean, first it started subluxing coming partially out, partially out, then boom, first game, it blew out. Well, I just kind of popped it back in, you know what I mean? And kept playing, you know what I mean? And all throughout the season, I'd probably dislocate my shoulder. Mm, if not every game, but every other game, you know what I mean? And, uh, but I definitely, when we made a, the championships, that year uh i just skated twice in the super bowl and uh and yeah so and i just popped back in but i was i was an idiot you know what i mean like you know 
you know, I dislocate my shoulder on a Friday or Saturday, then Monday I'd be benching. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's just, you know, but, uh, but anyway, so, you know, there's a saying, you know, in the community, if you're going to be stupid, you better be tough. You know what I mean? And, and it, dude, and I had a lot of, you know, I got scars to prove my stupidity. You know what I mean? So, so I earned a, uh, I had one surgery, uh, right after football season. Then, uh, but then literally the day, let's put it this way, James, and, you know, it's just, I'm just telling you how it is, man. It's just like, I always want to be like, always combat ready, combat ready, combat ready, combat ready all the time. So even right after surgery, and I'm talking like a week out of surgery, you know what I mean? I got my sling on, I tie a belt around my upper arm, around my chest, and I hit the heavy bag with you know, just throwing jabs. You know what I mean? I can't tell you how much pain that is when the shock goes back through your system. You know what I mean? And uh, on, a, on a fresh surgery. But it's just like, but, uh, but that's just kind of like the mentality that I had back then. And it's just like, and sure enough, the day, two weeks, yeah, I wear the sling for two weeks. Second week, soon as soon as the day I took the sling off, after two weeks, I went up to visit my brother who was in college. And um, and when we got into a huge, huge like free for all with uh with the football players up there, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, dude, I'm fighting one armed, you know what I mean? And uh, but anyway, and um, so so anyway, so I pretty much messed up that that surgery and continued to dislocate my shoulder, you know, probably I probably dislocated 15 times for the first surgery, 15 times after that. So the first surgery was in 85, then 87, I had second surgery. And uh, same, so so during all this time, man, I'm I'm still like, still doing martial arts, you know, we're boxing out of Natick Boxing Club. And that's where I developed a good jab because I was afraid I was gonna dislocate my shoulder sometimes when I threw my right hand, you know what I mean? And uh, so as far as like the career wise, my dad was always big on, you know what I mean? So long story short, man, it's like, I couldn't went to like, you know, the Citadel and things like that, but um, I ended up cho- choosing to go to where my brother went to school, you know, cause he was, Tom was living the dream, man. He was, uh, he was bouncing, he was crushing people like on a regular basis, you know what I mean? And uh, a couple of our buddies were up there. So I'm like, and after we got in that, that fight uh, when I was still in high school, I'm like, yeah, this is the place for me, you know what I mean? And um, so, but while I was up there, I also did some, um, did two years like ROTC with a school down the street but it, I didn't really care for the, you know what I mean? Because my dad was pushing the officer thing. And honestly, I just want to go enlisted. You know what I mean? I, I didn't want to manage people. I just want, I wanted to be a doer. You know what I mean? And uh, down, then down in um, Rhode Island, they have uh, 19 special forces, uh, part of the uh, Rhode Island Guard down there. And then, and I went down there and in, interviewed uh, with them. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, no problem. And they, they set up all my paperwork and stuff. So this is the first time I had to go down there twice. First time I went down there, everything was good to go. Every, you know, I go to the MEP center, you know, and it just so happened that the orthopedic surgeon wasn't there that day. And um, which I would have passed everything, you know what I mean? Cause I was boxing, I was in good shape. Well, that was on a Friday. You know, we ended up going down, down to Cape Cod that weekend. Again, got into a huge free for all. And, uh, <laughs> Too and, severe uh, theme. <laughs> Yeah, man, and, uh, you know, and, uh, well, the thing is, like, I know, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make excuses, but, you know, <laughs> it, it's a target-rich environment, like, in New England, man, because, especially, like, even though we bounce, we didn't, we don't, you know, we don't like bouncers that are bullies, you know what I mean, and, uh, 
in any way, this particularly club we're at, there's a lot of, a lot of guys like that. <laughs> so, uh, but it, that was the first time I dislocated my shoulder in a real fight. You know what I mean? And, uh, so I had to go back to you and say, Hey man, I blew my shoulder out. And they're like, Hey, listen, you're like, get it fixed. Then come back. So I got it fixed, came back, you know, so now I'm probably like my senior in college and, uh, everything, everything's set, you know what I mean? So, so once I, once I get out the, 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 um, the plan was as, as soon as, as soon as I graduated college, then I'd go hit all my training. You know what I mean? So, so and anyway, I won the drill weekends. I ended up blowing out my good shoulder, um, which is probably the third time it came out. I came out playing rugby and some other stuff. And, uh, and, and dude, and they're just like, so the military fixed that, you know, they, they fixed my, my, uh, good shoulder, but dude, I was like 21 years old and already had three sh- shoulder surgeries. Yeah. With, you know, with over 30 dislocations to my name, you know what I mean? And, uh, and, 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 you know, there's nothing really going on during that time frame. And the colonel's like, yeah, why don't you just take some time off? You know what I mean? And, you know, and then that was, so unfortunately it's kind of a pro and a con is dude, that was crushing because I'm like, man, what am I going to do now? You know what I mean? That's all I wanted to do. That's all I trained for and things like that. And, um, so you know, so basically now I'm, you know what I mean? Now I'm, now I'm out, you know what I mean? I'm out of college, military options done. And a friend of mine, um, that we used to box with in Natick, he turned, he went to New Mexico to Albuquerque to turn pro cause he had a bunch of family down there. And, uh, so, so he's like, Hey man, come out and visit us. So me and my brother went down there and kind of scouted it out, you know, and I put in, put in some job applications with the state police down there. And, um, and also for a master's program and, um, you know, test did real good on the test and on the, uh, state police, but there's some glitch in the program where, you know, whatever, man, you know, um, yeah, there's some discrepancy somewhere. So, uh, it, it state police option didn't work out, you know what I mean? And anyway, we, we ended up moving down there anyway. And I was going to school, but things didn't work out, uh, school wise. Cause VA wasn't, you know, for whatever reason, wasn't picking up my loan. So I started working. And I started working for a company that uh, provided a drug dog service, right? So, so we're like, so we're on some joint, you know, uh, drug task force. We got, you know, what I mean, we're working for some sheriff's departments and stuff, and doing all this stuff, right? And also with that, I ended up one of the, one of the clients were the uh, the labs up in Los Alamos. So he had to get, you know, go through the whole clearance process to get, you know, what's called a Q clearance, and uh, it's like top secret, or whatever. And uh, so, so I got my clearance. Well, here's the thing. We started going, the guy, that original friend that, uh, that we used to box with, he always invited us to his, um, his, his uncle was a pastor and uh, Pastor Larry. And uh, so he said, hey man, come check out our church. Well, dude, Pastor Larry is badass. You know what I mean? This guy, I love this guy. This guy is like, he's probably a little bit younger than I am now. He's probably around 50 at the time. Grew up in Harlem half black, half Italian, you know, single mom, very, had a very rough upbringing. You know what I mean? Then he was a paratrooper Then he was the first black state police officer in New Mexico. Then he ended up, um, becoming a pastor, which is a whole nother kind of interesting, you know, how all that came about. So when I met a man, he was not only was he a pastor, but he was also an instructor, a full-time instructor at the central, at the time it was called the central training Academy, which is on Kirtland air force base. It's now the national training center. So we had, we ended up going to church there and, you know, and, um, totally like, dude, that was a life changing experience in and of itself. 
But then, you know, Pastor Larry's like, hey, man, he's like, he goes, why don't you put in? There's some job openings down there. He goes, why don't you put in? And um, and I did. And a year later, you know, I got accepted. I got hired to be a defensive tactics instructor, firearm instructor and all that. And um, and dude, I'm telling you that that was like, I mean, that, that's all the hand of God right there. You know what I mean? And I was the youngest instructor out of all, all these other guys were like retired, re, either retired SWAT guys. Uh, re, literally, man, there's a big, um, during early nineties, a lot of guys from, uh, getting out, not only special forces, but, uh, you know, Delta, CAG, whatever, you know what I mean? So I had like, again, phenomenal mentors, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how I got into all that, you know? Beautiful. It's a hell of a career. And it's interesting because I had another guy on the show, um, uh, Varg Freeborn, and, and he ended up being, you know, a high level, um, you know, again, defensive tactics and um, firearms instructor himself. But he mm-hmm. actually came through the, the, the route of, um, you know, grew up around crime. He himself wasn't, a, you know, a thug per se or anything like that, but he grew up, you know, he got stabbed multiple times. He went to prison. Um, and then it, just his mindset was incredible and he turned it around and now he teaches, you know, law enforcement all over the country. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, but it must be it must be refreshing for that academy to get a different perspective, a different set of eyes to to complement what they've already got. The guys that you know started the curriculum for uh, for this academy were all like West Coast guys. You know, I mean, um, high level SWAT guys and things like that. And uh, and you know, so we had a lot, a lot of similar guys that trained me. We were also guys you know from georgia's unit you know and uh and it's funny talking to george later he's like oh yeah he goes he was you know because that was like his his partner you know what i mean that uh that put me through some of the some of the training and some of the schools but they're they're squared away man it, it was a good time um but also going back to the ground control in the ground fine aspect because in the early early 90s that wasn't being taught in law enforcement and of course of course like uh out in um on the West Coast, there's like they, they they were the first ones who really put grappling in in their law enforcement academy and things like that. And I had an opportunity to go out there and go through their training, and uh, it was a great time. Uh, it was like a two week course. Then um, then in, then in Albuquerque, there's uh, Jackson's one 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 of my buddies who is a, a Albuquerque police officer. He was a uh, he's one of the first black belts for uh, for Jacksons, and he was one of the, one of his first MMA fighters. And uh, dude, so he came over and uh, and really like upgraded our program. And uh, it was phenomenal. Uh, the dude is stud. But uh, yeah, it's a small world, you know. what I mean, small world. It is. What was the name of Greg's fighter? Uh, his name's Brad Aaronsfield. And uh, there's two guys: Brad Aaronsfield and Chris Luttrell. These guys. Let's put it this way. Brad took me to, there's a king of the cage fight up in, um, on, on the reservation up a little bit north of Albuquerque. And dude, this was like, this was like Keith Jardine was like, this before Keith got into UFC. Like so I watched some of his first fights. Um, oh man, who, who's, who's the other kid? Um, if I said it, I can't think of his name right now. Tate Fletcher? No, he was like one of the first ones out of Greg's camp. He kind of. He comes back. He hasn't fought for a while. Um, he's a little, I want to say he's a little eccentric, but he was a really good fighter. Uh, I can't think of his name, man. But, but yeah, uh, you know, then later on, we'd still come down and train every then. Like in the 2000s, I'd 
you know, even though I wasn't living there anymore, we'd come down and do some training. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, yeah, Rashad Evans and all those guys. Um, yeah, Keith Jardine. Yeah, it was good. It was all good dudes. Yeah, know? that's a great stable to be a part of. Oh, my goodness, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Beautiful. Well, then, so lead me through, um, you know, your discovery of, of kettlebells through Pavel. Because, I mean, that, that's another incredible human being to, yeah. to for God to put in front of you. No, absolutely. And you're, that was a, dude, Pavel coming to my life was a direct answer to a prayer I had. And, and dude, just so check this out, right? So I was, my mentality is this, is like, is like, I always said like the day I cannot lead by example when it comes to like instructing and doing things is the day I need to look for another job, right? So, so, so during this, you know, my first 10 years, like in the career that I had, right? The, uh, dude, I was still dislocating my shoulder, like my, my right shoulder on average once a year, you know what I mean? Like, and not doing cool action guy stuff. I'm talking like sleeping, you know what I mean? And, um, then I ended up like blowing out my, the ACL on my left knee and dude jacked my back in a weird fall. Anyway, man. So I was, I was coming when I had my ACL reconstructed, that's what, I, that's really like, I'm sitting there and I always like try to think like, all right, man, you know, while I'm like laying on the couch and my legs in that machine that moves your leg, you know what I mean? So it doesn't freeze up. I'm sitting there and I'm looking at my kids. They were like toddlers at the time. And I'm like, all right, man. I'm like, you know, I'm like, you know, and I, you know, honestly, this was, this was my prayer. I'm like, you know, Lord, you go, you know how stupid I am. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> obviously I'm doing something wrong. Cause I train like a maniac, you know what I mean? But yet I'm injured all the time. I'm like, you need it. Yeah. I'm like, I'm at, I'm at kind of at the end of myself here. Like you need to show me a better way. And I tell you, man, I don't think it was a year later, you know, that, uh, I was like teaching a course at work you know, doing, doing the fighting course. And, uh, and basically, um, one of the other instructors walked by and it was a female. She's like, Hey, do you know this guy? And, uh, you he know, he's doing a seminar here this weekend. I'm like, and I look and, and it was Pavel. He was doing a, a strength seminar. And, and this is like, this is literally like, I think he just published his, uh, power to people book. Right. And I, and I already had like his strength training, not his strength training, his, uh, stretching book and, uh, some other DVD that I did at the time. So I'm like, huh, like, that's interesting. I'm like, oh, I'll go check that out. So me and a buddy went down there and uh, and he went through like, you know, how to get strong, just, you know, pretty much doing deadlifts and military presses. It was, it was the whole thing. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. He, he, he kind of took through all the uh, progressions and stuff. I'm like, all right, cool. So that was it, man. So I, I, you know, I don't really say much. Like I just go, I learn whatever. I bought his book. Then at that time, that was literally the weekend before I was changing academies. I was, um, I was going to uh, another academy that's you know, out in, um, um, Arkansas. So it was basically, I was going from the train to train Academy to back to doing like recruit style training, right. For, uh, for, for some guys and, uh, for an agency. So, so the thing is, is, uh, so we get out there and, uh, so started doing me and another instructor. We're doing pretty much before we do lead PT with the guys is, uh, we, we do a simple like deadlifting, um, military press, some some pull-ups you know weighted pull-ups and uh and we just started working some turkish gaps a little bit you know what i mean and uh so anyway that was it you know what i mean it was real simple and uh then we go do the basic program with the guys now at that time that very first class dude, we were still using you know the curriculum that was written prior to 
you know, me getting there. And it was just, it's just your classic, man. So this is like around 2000, 2001. So you're doing your typical, you know, running, cows, things like that. You know what I mean? Just nothing, nothing crazy. We didn't even have a facility. We were just on the parade field. You know what I mean? And um, so anyway, you know, whatever you practice, you're going to get good at. Right. You know, if you if you practice push ups, you're going to get better at push ups. If you, if you run, you run times get better at this and that. But um, but the reality is what we realized, because the way the training was set up, you know, you got your farms, you know, you got basically groups are divided in half and they do like, you know, some farms training. Other guys do, uh, you know, drive training or whatever. Then when they come together for tactical training, you know, you know, that's, you know, shoot, move, and communicate. So there's a lot of stuff going on. So in a tactical phase, so now we're in a tactical phase. So I don't know how many, say you're like 10, 12 weeks into the program at this time. And what I noticed was this, right? And, and um, is that when the guys got to the objective area, they weren't ready to fight. They were like ready to throw up. You know what I mean? And, uh, and dude, you know the deal, man. I and mean, if your heart rate's out of control and stuff like that, it's, it's hard to be, it's hard to be tackled. You know what I mean? It's hard to see where the bad guys are when you're starting to get tunnel vision. It's hard to hear where the bad guys are when you, all you hear is your heartbeat thumping in your eardrums, right? So, uh, and the other thing too, I noticed is on break. And then again, man, all these guys are like fresh out of the military, great backgrounds, but dude, they're like crushed. You know, now they're moving with their equipment, this, that, the other thing. They're like, you know, the back's killing them, the hamstring, pulling hamstrings, all this other stuff. Well, me and another instructor who's been doing this powerful strength program prior to doing PT with the guys, I'm like, dude, how are you feeling? He's like, man, I'm feeling great. And dude, like everything was feeling good on me. Like my shoulders felt good, my knees felt good, lower back, everything was like solid. I'm like, hmm, I think we're on something here with this functional training. You know what I mean? So, so I contacted Pavel. I'm like, hey, man, I go, is there anything else you're doing? You know what I mean? Um, you know, you got any seminars coming on? And he's like, well, you know, I'm going to be presenting for, and I forgot which, he was doing something at some law enforcement conference. So I'm like, all right. So I went down there and it was a one day program. And, you know, again, it was just his, his strength stuff and how to adapt it, whatever. And uh, so I'm like, cool. Then, uh, so I started applying that with, with our guys and, you know, and the performance got better and stuff. Then, uh, then, then I'm like, hey man, I'm like, can you, put together a five day program. Yeah, you know I mean, that covers, you know, all your strength, your flexibility, just dude, everything you got. And this is before kettlebells came out, you know what I mean? And uh, so through my contacts, through um, law enforcement academy over in, uh, in Santa Fe, New Mexico, um, dude, they, ho- they were the host. So it was like, so a bunch of guys from, from my, my agency went down there, a bunch of, uh, Albuquerque SWAT guys went up there and, uh, and, you know, plus and some other dudes. So, uh, so that was a five day, you know, program they put on and, uh, it was great. Then at the end of that, I asked him, is there anything else? You know what I mean? Anything else? He's like, well, he's like, there's this thing called a kettlebell. I'm like, what's that? I go, you know what I mean? He's like, yeah. And he, and he actually handed me his copy of the DVD, um, that that was he was gonna that was gonna come out. It was his copy to look at for editing. You know what I mean? He's like, hey man, I want to check this out. I'm like, I'm like, all right. So uh, so I'm like watching it. You know what I mean? I'm like, wow, man, that's pretty cool. Well, one of my backup skills was uh, is blacksmithing. Right? There's a guy who lived five miles down where I lived in Albuquerque, and um, I lived in the eastern mount uh, in the mountains. But anyway, this guy had a blacksmithing school. 
So that was one of my backup skills in case, you know, my body totally fell apart. And uh, so, man, so I made a couple homemade kettlebells and started like following along as best I could. You know what I mean? And um, so now I don't know if it was like 2001, I think 2002 is when the kettlebells actually, you know, Dragon Door is actually manufacturing. And that's when Powell had his first RKC course, which me and another guy from work went down went through that then after that he invited me and steve maxwell to be like his first senior instructors whatever because we were like teaching steve was teaching all his uh jiu-jitsu guys kettlebell stuff getting great great results i was teaching like our guys you know what i mean pretty much all pal stuff and and they were getting and, and no bs man dude their performance got way better their injuries went way down and uh, and that's it you know what i mean so it's, I, I always look at things just like you know, I don't care if it's farms, tactics. I don't care if it's like, you know, grappling. I don't care what it is. If you show me like, hey, man, this is a better, more efficient way. Dude, I'll ditch whatever I was doing before. You know what I mean? And, uh, and you know, I'm not emotionally attached to anything. You know what I mean? It's all about what works. And and that was it. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. So, I was, I was real blessed to be like on the ground floor there with Pavel and uh, the RKC for like, I don't know, man. Probably taught with him maybe three, four years, maybe, maybe two, I don't know, two to four. It's hard to say now, getting old. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Well, I mean, I think an important point before we move on, you know, and really kind of get stuck into the kettlebell side is, you know, what you said about if you find something better, then, you know, you're okay ditching it. And I think that's, that's something that I've seen, you know, being 46 myself now, with a lot of the way we were taught when we were younger, whether it's martial arts. I mean, I, I was humbled so many times on my martial arts journey thinking, you know, these, these national titles meant I was, you know, a black belt and I'm, I'm good to go. And then some, uh, some, someone whoops my ass in books, boxing or jujitsu. And I'm like, ah, shit, not again. <laughs> but, uh, but it's the same with, with fitness, the strength of conditioning, with nutrition, with all these things. We, you know, a lot of us were raised in, you know, what became the, uh, commercial bodybuilding world where the push was to buy supplements the push was to buy machines and and gadgets and gizmos and we were a far cry from you know the kind of 60s and prior where i think people were still learning from their forefathers so i think the fact that you found something and and you had the humility to say no you know what this is better i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna make the transition is, is a huge learning lesson that really applies to 2021 right Absolutely. So, so lead me through then. What, what did you start seeing in yourself and in, in your, you know, your students when you added the kettlebell to the deadlift and military press that you're already doing with the barbell? So, you know, we started adding, um, in, you know, in the academy. We, and this is, so we are the first federal agency to actually add kettlebells as part of the curriculum in, um, in, um, in the academy and stuff. And, uh, so, and basically, you know, I always start off with the swing, started letting the guys like work the swings and, uh, you know, properly done. And I'll just say Russian swings. Um, this is before CrossFit and stuff. Um, the Russian swings really build, man, really it rehabs your lower back. If you don't, if you do it correctly, not only does it re- rehab your lower back, also gives you a little grip strength, which everybody can help with. And, um, and basically, uh, it starts building up your, you know, your cardio. And here's the thing with the cardio, right? Everybody, everybody used to think that, um, you know, back in the day, it's like, 
you know, in, 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 especially in the military, even law enforcement, it's like you had like two camps, right? You had the cardio camp where everybody ran, right? They're big runners, but they're skinny. And, and, and quite honestly, they're, they're weak, right? Then you had guys that were like on the bodybuilding camp, you know what I mean? So now they're bigger and all this other stuff, but they're bodybuilding, you know what I mean? And, uh, and, 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 and which is really, now I'll say it's like, if you're a wrestler and you bodybuild, they're, they're bodybuilding to keep their joints healthy, you know what I mean? And, and they're athletic because despite that they bodybuild, you know what I mean? They, they're athletic because they wrestle, right? But if you're just strictly a bodybuilder, dude, there's really nothing. It, they're pretty non-athletic. And, and from my experience, they're the first guys that fall out in the field. They can't throw a punch. You know what I mean? And, and they're always the easiest guys. Guys that are steroid abusers, easiest guys in the world to fight. You know what I mean? I love fighting guys like that back home. But but anyway, so, you know, so I'm sitting there looking at, like, the mentality that people have. And I'm like, man, why – in law enforcement and and in the military, you know, they got this mentality and it came down to this. It's like, it's like, it's how you think, right? Everything comes back down to mindset. If you don't consider yourself a fighter, if you don't consider yourself a, uh, you know, an athlete, you're probably not training like one. Right. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, dude, what's more athletic than the stuff we have to do as a police officer, as, as, you know, a soldier or whatever, you know, overcoming obstacles. Not only do you have to overcome obstacles, you know, with your body weight and all that, not only do you, you know what I mean? It's like how many obstacles do you have to overcome? How many things that happen between, between, you know, where you start off and where you got like either arrest somebody, shoot somebody or whatever to deal with. I mean, there's a lot, you know what I mean? And that's a different type of conditioning. And what I noticed when we first started grappling, I mean, there's guys that were like, you know, they could be marathon runners. You throw them on the mat, they're ready to throw up on you within like a minute. You know what I mean? And it's the same thing with guys. They could have great, quote, cardio. But, man, you, you throw them in the ring, dude, they're, they're gassed out. You know what I mean? They can't, you know. So so it's got to be – it's got to transfer. And that's what – once we start using kettlebells, it transferred to everything we were doing tactically. It, it literally, like, our, our injuries went down and all the guys – you know, just got stronger, better. The run times got better. You know, I mean, the performance and everything it did got better. So, you know, so it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, then, what about you know? Because I want to get into you know some of the the variations. And I, I got into CrossFit myself around 2006. So I saw as an athlete, I saw as a coach, you know, the the innocent mistakes we made early on, and now you know with with the experts really coming in, how a lot of the coaches now are starting to actually teach the way we should have been. So how did how did you enter the CrossFit realm? I tell you what, um, it, it, it that's a, that's another uh, that's another god thing right there. Um, I was uh, I ended up taking taking a break, and uh, I was working at this private company. Uh, out of Little Rock called Direct Action Resource Center. It's it's still set up. And at the time, they were the largest. Uh, this is before Blackwater really blew up and in, in all that as far as, like, you know, getting big. But Direct Action Resource Center was a um, uh, it's the largest urban warfare training center at, 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 at that time in, in 2002, 2003. I think I was there from three to four. And, um, and basically, uh, we had Pavel come out. Then uh, there's there's a couple guys that that came out to that that attended that course and um, and one became a really good friend of mine who actually introduced me to CrossFit and this guy uh, you know worked for federal agency and um, 
and he's like uh, a different federal agency. And he's like, um, he's like, after the, after the kettlebell course, he's like, Hey man, he's like, he goes, was you ever, uh, you know, he's, he asked me about CrossFit. I'm like, nah, man, I never heard of it. He's like, and, he, and he's like, Hey, look it up. CrossFit.com, blah, blah, blah. Well, dude, at that time, the, 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 in one, I'm not the most tech savvy guy. And two, the, the, um, the website was all, you know what I mean? wasn't too user friendly. And, uh, so, so, so he, so he'd asked me, he's like, Hey man, do you, uh, do you get on the website? I'm like, dude, I'm like, I see that there's a workout there. I go, I don't know. You know, the names are unfamiliar to me. I, I can't figure out the video links. I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, it just wasn't working. And he's like, it's like, listen, he's like, he goes, they're going to, cause the other guy that was in the class, uh, that kettlebell class at, at, you know, that at Darcy was, uh, John Barber, who's, uh, who's um, at the uh, state police, the highway patrol academy up in Colorado. Well, they ended up hosting, John ended up hosting, you know, what became the level one for CrossFit up there. And uh, so my, my buddy Jimmy's like, hey, man, he goes, why don't you just go to that, go to this course with me? I'm like, yeah, I'm like, right, right on, man. So uh, so I went up there and uh, met Coach Glassman. And dude, this is like, again, man, it's probably like 04. And uh, so the, you had to like, all the old school guys like at that at that i'll tell you all the guys that presented it was like that was like mark twight dan john uh chris summers was the uh gymnastic presenter there you know obviously coach class i mean he's all all the old school you know and uh so anyway and uh man it was, it was great because um what what's funny is is uh this is what's funny is like what, what made me leave uh, the academy I was at and going to, to go to Darcy was this, right? Is, uh, is I was starting to like figure out some of the, uh, functional training and all that. And at this time they're like, they wanted it cause we were doing all the stuff outside, like in the parade fields and stuff like that. And, uh, and they're like, and they were going to build a gym and, and I'm like, and I still got the original sketch of the gym I designed. Right. And, uh, so this is like before, uh, this is before I heard of CrossFit. Right. And uh, so I'm like, hey, I go, this is what we need. And I remember like, dude, I wrote a white paper on it. I briefed it and I'm like, you know, and it, and it documented everything as far as like what we were doing and how the guys performance was increasing and all this other stuff. And this is what we need to do. I'm like, we need a gym that's not machine based. I go, we need to get a bunch of platforms and, you know, we need to get some bars and some bumper plates, you know, because I was thinking like Olympic lifting. Dude, I didn't even know really much about Olympic lifting, but but I'd read the old Iron Mind you know, magazines and stuff or their, their little books. And I'm like, dude, this is the way to go. And I'm like, we need to get some rings. You know, I'm not a gymnast. I didn't know anything about that, but I'm like, and this is before, you know, anybody was making like, you know, like Tyler Haas was making his rings and, uh, across I'm like, so basically when I sketched it all out, I'm like, we need a pegboard. We need this, we need pull stage. It basically looked like the CrossFit gyms that we know today. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, you know, and it was so over the top, you know what I mean? For, you know, especially for some of the managers and stuff, they're like, they, they, they couldn't like wrap their head around it. You know what I mean? And uh, anyway, they had a meeting after the meeting and uh, they, they kind of put me on the pay no mind list. So I'm like, you know what? Screw you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is, you know, and uh, so which, which opened up so many great things, you know what I mean? Uh, so saying all that, when I went, when, when I'm sitting there like, listen to coach Glassman and seeing everything's going on. And, and coach, he asked me, he's like, well, what do you think? I'm like, dude, this is awesome. I'm like, this is, you know, I go, this is kind of what I was thinking. I go, except you are like light years ahead in programming and everything else. You know what I mean? I'm like, 
you know, so it was an easy fit for me. I'm like, oh yeah, this is, this is the way to go. Cause they're combining everything. I'm like, cause I always said, I'm like, who's stronger than a gymnast? I mean, look at the, you know, guys are Olympic lifters, man. They got the highest vertical jump. You know what I mean? It's just the athleticism just through the roof. But, uh, yeah, so it was a perfect fit. And, um, then probably about a year later, uh, and again, man, dude, I'm friends with Pavel. I love Pavel. That, that guy's wicked, wicked smart and a uh, phenomenal writer. You know, we just like, we just, you know, kind of went our separate ways Had you know, had a, had agreed to disagree on something and, uh, which is, you know, no blood, no foul, no, you know, no hard feelings. And, uh, but when I was like in that transition, coach Glasson called me up and said, Hey man, cause you want to be our uh, kettlebell guy? I'm like, sure, man. You know? And, uh, he's like, welcome to the CrossFit family. I'm like, thanks coach. <laughs> <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So yeah, it's all good, man. It's all good. Well, and, and a very important point. So you mentioned the names, you know, you got coach Glassman, you got Dan John, Christopher Summer. So you had, you know, some of the greatest minds in each of those disciplines, um, you know, at the helm, you know, when you're physically at the seminar sitting in front of them. So, um, not, you know, I'm not talking about, um, negativity, but having seen my own kind of roller coaster ride with, with, um, you know, with actually being an athlete, with being a coach over the next, you know, decade and a half, what was some of the things you saw that as it grew, went well and what were some of the things you know maybe some of the dilution of the coaching and the initial philosophies that that kind of came off the tracks a little bit and you know that, that's a really that's a good question that's a good it's a good question um you know i, I don't know you know uh, i think you know when you look at you look at crossfit right um and it, and it is a blend of all those disciplines and and i think i think you know you know, the, all the SMEs, like the subject matter experts, you know, that me doing kettlebells that, um, you know, Coach Bergner doing Olympic lifting, you know, gymnastics, you know, you got, you know, Tucker who's doing it now. And, you know, great, great guys. And I think that I think that's the genius of CrossFit. You know what I mean? As far as, you know, because, you know, the level ones are phenomenal. You know what I mean? And they really do keep the level ones uh, really how coach used to teach it, you know what I mean? And that's the thing, which is pretty impressive, you know what I mean? Um, but I think, I, you know, like anything, it's like if you're going to be, every, everything's just a starting point, right? So if, if I went to level one, level one's phenomenal, that's great. So it's like, you know, you got to start somewhere, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, you can open up across me, but, but it behooves you as a coach to absolutely keep educating yourself on all the disciplines. You know what I mean? Um, that's all, you know what I mean? And, and dude, there's like in the good, the, the, the successful boxes are run by people just like that. You know what I mean? That are constantly hungry for knowledge. You're, you're being the best coach you could be in all the disciplines, you know? Um, I don't know, you know, and you know, then, you know, then it became a sport, right? So it was originally set up, you know, you know, you know, the sport aspect is kind of different, you know what I mean? In my, in my mind, and, and it's, it's a it's super impressive to watch and things like that. Um, you know, but I, I think anybody could get kind of carried away from, you know, for the average, for the average Joe, you just want them to get better, you know what I mean? Move better and things like that. And, but CrossFit came full, full circle with that and, um, you know, and really addressing the elderly, elderly and the, you know, the pop population that could be sick, could be decrepit and just getting them moving, you know what I mean? And the whole CrossFit health aspect. So I, I think it all, it all came full circle, you know what I mean? Um, 
I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm really, I think it's great, you know? Yeah, no, I love it. Like I said, I do it to this day. I still coach at the gym where I train as well. But, um, you know, but I've seen that evolution. And, and it's funny you say about the level one being, you know, the, the, it's the key to the lock. And it's the same with the fire service, same with law enforcement. You know, the academy which gives you enough, enough skills to be able to kill yourself. And you got to use your career <laughs> to try not to die, you know, and get better. Right. Exactly. Um, but, but so when people will say, oh, you know, I'm moving to this area, do you know any good gyms? I always tell them. If if all the coach, when you look at their bios, all they have is a level one, that's a big red flag. But if they have, as you said, you know, other kettlebell certs or Olympic lifting certs or you know anything that they've shown that they've expanded out their knowledge, that's a good sign. Yes, no, absolutely, and that's that's exactly the exact same uh, advice I give because because not every CrossFit gym is like equal. You know what I mean? It, it's really all based on people who are running it and how they educate themselves. No, absolutely. Right. So what are, what are some of the mistakes, not even CrossFit specifically, just out there, especially if people haven't found themselves at a kettlebell specific cert? Um, what are some of the common mistakes you see with people using kettlebells the wrong way? Oh, man. You know, um, yeah, that's, that's an awesome question. Um, you know, I, even, and even, even when I teach the, um, you know, the uh, kettlebell courses for CrossFit, I, I always make the statement that, um, that kettlebells is probably, you know, it's probably most, uh, what's, what's, uh, what's the word, man? Uh, it's been a while since, since, uh, since I taught a course, man, this last year has been tough, but basically it's like this probably kettlebells probably most misunderstood. Um, I don't say misused, but underutilized, underutilized tool in the CrossFit toolbox. You know, I, I think I can say that in, in good uh, in good conscience as, as it's misunderstood and underutilized. And what I mean misunderstood, it's like a lot of times people think, you know, um, you know, that the, you know, let's put it this way. In, in the Olympic weightlifting world, in the CrossFit world, right, the CrossFit is very barbell centric, which is awesome. I have no I have no issue with that. And anybody that, that starts getting into the sport of Olympic weightlifting, they, they're very comfortable with the fact that. You know, I mean, it takes you almost like a lifetime to try to perfect your your uh, barbell snatch, right? It, it's a very, very technical movement. You know what I mean? And you may never perfect it. You know what I mean? But but that's the goal, right? And it's just like that. It takes a long time to perfect, right? But then when they when when they grab a kettlebell, they're like, oh, I'll just pick it up and just just swing it. You know what I mean? And uh, so you're kind of missing a lot there. And and people that don't understand the mechanics, right, uh, will, will, will probably, you know, again, they'll be like, you know, just get overhead. Again, it's like whether it's the barbell snatch or it's or if it's the, uh, you know, the American swing, right? They'll be like, I'll just get over, you know, get overhead best you can. You know, that, that's, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of like over, you know, simplifying it, but obviously – that's not good. You know what I mean? When it comes to kettlebells, it's like, you know, when we, when, if you look how we teach it, like we always teach the, the Russian first and get the mechanics going. Cause really, if you slow down the mechanics of, of a Russian swing, it's the same mechanics as your deadlift and, and how you set up an Olympic, uh, an Olympic lift. It's a, it's a hip hinge, right? So, and, and now even having said that, there's different styles. I say styles, um, there's different ways you can you can do a swing. You can use uh, 
more, I'll just say like how Powell in the RKC style does it, which is, is very powerful. It's a good hip hinge, you know what I mean? And, 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 and it works fine. Uh, in kettlebell sport, it's a little more Olympic lifting like where you kind of work in a little more double knee bend, right? And more like an Olympic lift. And it's a little more, it's a little more efficient for endurance, right? So you can use kettlebells for power. You can also use them for endurance. And you, you know what I mean? So, so, but it all comes back down to the mechanics of the hip hinge and the deadlift. So once you utilizing your hips correctly, right? And getting the power from your hips, cause it's not, the kettlebell swing is not a front delt exercise. You know, I try to tell people that your arms are just there for the ride. It's the same thing. Like, you know, like in Olympic weightlifting, what do they say? You know, the old mantra is if your arms bend, the power ends. Well, it's the same thing with a kettlebell, right? So, so a kettlebell, and, and this is, this is actually, I didn't come up with this. I was talking to a, uh, this is a, she was a box owner and she didn't, you know, and anyway, we're at the CrossFit games and, uh, and I met this woman. She was at one of my buddies' uh, uh, booth, and she didn't she didn't know me from anybody, you know what I mean? And but she was just talking about like how much she liked kettlebells, and she says she used kettlebells as a gateway, almost like a gateway drug to the barbell, you know what I mean? And uh, and it really really is. It's easy. It's easy to teach mechanics. The weight's fairly light, and uh, but once you get your mechanics down, you can transition from a kettlebell to a barbell super easy. You know, so it's learning the mechanics. And once you get the mechanics of the Russian swing down and the thing's floating eye level, it's like a little more hip drive and it'll float right overhead. You don't have to use your arms. You don't pull it overhead. It should float to the ceiling. And that's what straightens your arms up. It's it's all body mechanics. And, uh, and you know, it's kind of like it's like punching, right? You can have guys that have crappy punch mechanics and they're like, oh, and they're throwing like a, it's a powerful effort and, and dude, they don't have enough. They can't even crack an egg with it, right? <laughs> you know, you get a guy who knows how to punch, man. He could be a little wiry, dude. Dude, boom. He's like, and it's just like, it's effortless power because of the mechanics. And that's what you want. And, and really think about it. But that's what you want in everything. When you're Olympic lifting, you want effortless power. When you're kettlebell, about it's efficiency, right? Technique's everything. Yeah. Well, I think that's something that I've seen, again, coaching in this gym coaching, you know, the, the, the tactical athletes that I coach. Um, and when I say coach, I'm, I'm very part time. It's not like you know, my full time gig by any means, but, um, is having been in CrossFit since 06 pre when the games were really popular, you know, back then it was learning the movements. And then there was definitely a positive and a negative element, in my opinion, to, to the games because a lot of quote unquote regular people thought that was what they were supposed to be progressing towards. So then I saw a lot of shortcuts and with the swing, the American swing, the one shortcut is basically almost like a sumo deadlift high pull to (laughs) overhead. Right. Yep. Yep. True. So, but then conversely, when you, like you said, when you look at movement standards, I had Zar Horton on the show, um, actually probably about three years ago now, um, because Zar's a firefighter as well. And, you know, he talked about fixing his back. Yeah, no, he, he... Yeah, I'm friends with Zar. Yeah, I think he just retired, I believe, as a battalion chief, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a stud, man. He's a stud. Yeah, but again, he talked about um, healing. I think he had back pain, but definitely he had, um, you know, meniscus tears too. And he actually overcame that through kettlebell training. And I'm sure, again, just as you said, it was going from probably squatting to transitioning to actually hinging properly that you know put that muscle balance back and so that's why in my opinion it's so important that we do 
stick to these movement standards because you know 99.9 percent of us are never going to go to the games anyway but Correct. we all want longevity in our careers no 100 percent on that 100 percent brilliant well then speaking of, of of the bell actually the the breath i think is another thing that isn't talked about and in my field you know breathing is so underutilized when you think about a profession that has all the air in the world strapped to their back in the middle of a fire um so what about um you know what are some of the mistakes the average person makes with with breath when it comes to kettlebell swings or or presses (laughs) they hold their breath (laughs) you know you think about this right is like everybody and i don't care if you're you know, swinging a kettlebell for the first time, if you're, uh, if you're, you know, grappling for the first time, boxing, whatever, everybody has a tendency, like, they hold their breath, man, and uh, they're, they're not breathing cyclically, and uh, so, so the thing is, right, so, so breathing is, like, huge, um, you know, more like Pavel and RKC style, they, they use more, like, power breathing, right, and, uh, and, and to keep it simple, it's like, you know, inhale, on the way down, get all the air in, in your abs and all that nice and tight, exhale on the way up, right? And the same thing when you're swinging, it, it's it's um, it's one breathing cycle. Inhale as the kettlebell is swinging, um, you know, on the back swing, exhale on the, as it's coming up, right? It's legit, right? So you can do that for about, mm, you know, maybe 30 reps, you know what I mean? You know, if keeping your reps kind of low. Right. Um, then in the sport of kettlebell lifting, which is an uh, endurance sport, I didn't realize that when I first got into it, but, uh, but they do have multiple breathing cycles and, uh, in, 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 in basically pacing it, multiple breathing cycles and pacing is really the biggest thing for, for endurance. And, and, it's, and it's no different. Like when you're running, you get in your rhythm, right? Like it, it's going to take you what? 90 seconds, two minutes, um, to get through the, the glycolic, whatever stage, right. You know what I mean? Cause you kind of going from anaerobic before you switch to aerobic, you know what I mean? But then, you know, but the biggest thing is, is like, you need to start breathing rhythmatically right from the get go. You know what I mean? You know, whether it's like, you know, whatever you, whatever it is, whether you inhale every three paces, exhale every two, whatever the deal is, but you want to get that breathing right from the get go before you know what i mean you get into oxygen that now and, um, and, and that's what a lot of people end up doing is like or they end up going so fast and they end up going oxygen that really fast and their body can't recover so 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 with breathing man i tell you what it's like so so uh, let, let's put it this way if if we'll just keep it simple for a russian swing like if you're the principle is the same right when you're in the on the bottom end of the backswing, you should have air like in your abs helps protect your lower back. Right. But there's like, but there's like two breathing cycles. If I was doing kettlebell swings, um, sports style, you know, I get, you know, two inhales, two exhales for every one swing. And that really, that really keeps you oxygenated. And, um, it, it's kind of hard to explain on, you know I mean? You kind of got to see it. Um, to realize it but yeah man the, but breathing is the key and uh then you can apply that and that's what that's what we do um like anytime and that's the other thing too when when we teach kettlebell course for uh for crossfit or for anybody who who's involved in crossfit is what they, they learn more than just 
the swing. They, they learn the breathing. They learn the pace, and they learn, and they learn like all these different things that make them better at everything else they do. We apply everything. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, the same mechanics. You know, proper mechanics, proper mechanics. You know, functional movements, functional movement. So, and we 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 explain like what you're doing to kettlebell, how that applies to different things you're doing, whether you're doing muscle ups, whether you're doing, you know, bar cycling, what, you know what I mean? It's just like, and again, the breathing pacing is like huge. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I really answered your question on the breathing. No, I think that's it. I mean, like you said, holding the breath and getting that, that rhythmic breath. Now, what about, what's your take on nasal breathing to try and kind of um, suppress that kind of hyperventilation state? Right. No, I'm, I'm a big, big fan of, of, of nasal breathing. Um, you know, I had, had a, yeah, big fan of it. And, you know, I train guys all the time, you know, even the guys at my work now is like, I'll like, if they're having problems running, dude, I like, I kind of go the old, the old Apache method, you know what I mean? Have them take a sip of water, hold it in their mouth and off we go. And you can't, you know, <laughs> when we're done, they spit it out. Otherwise you're going to be doing burpees or something. You know what I mean? But, uh, but yeah, it's like, it, that's the natural, that's the natural way to go. You know what I mean? That's how it's going to keep you from getting injured. You know what I mean? Um, because it's like a natural governor, right? So you breathe in, it helps you, you know, yeah, I'm huge on nasal breathing. Now, if you're competing or if you're really doing something that that's more like, you know, like I competed a couple of times in the tactical games and this, this is my goal going up. Like, I don't care where, where I land, like, you know, like, I'm not looking at first, second, third, anything like that. I go, my goal, and this, this is like coming from a true old guy when I say this, man, is like one, to make it through injury free, you know what I mean? But two is to, you know what I mean, is never move faster or anything that I can't breathe through my nose. You know what I mean? That's like, that's it. So I, so I discipline myself to do that. Now there's times when I'm picking up the pace where I'll breathe, inhale through my nose, but I'm exhaling through my mouth. That, that's about as far as I'll go. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I'll tell you, and this is, this is like no BS. It's like, it doesn't matter how I feel like when I'm driving down, you know what I mean? On a Friday, you know, my body is like more achy, you know what I mean? Just, just from like all the years of just doing whatever. It's like when I drive home on Monday after, after doing six events, you know what I mean? Dude, I feel better driving home on Monday than I did driving there on Friday. I feel looser. You know what I mean? My, my body feels better. And it's and I'm telling you, man, it's all nasal breathing. You know what I mean? It is. It it's the national and it, and it also keeps you your mind calm. You know, no matter what's going on around you, it keeps your mind calm. You concentrate, focus on what you're doing. You know what I mean? You know, it helps you with your strategy, helps you with taking your shots, it helps you with everything. Yeah, I'm a huge, huge fan of nasal breathing. That's an interesting point, though, that is very pertinent to this audience is, you know, if you're getting to the point where, you know, it's okay to go to the pain cave once in a while, and, you know, you might, sure. you might be, like you said, you know, super elevated, but, um, you know, for our professions, the goal is not to sprint to the point of exhaustion. Like you said, a police officer is going to have to chase and maybe, you know, draw their weapon. And then it's a, a finite movement then. A, a, a firefighter might have to climb 20 flights of stairs with gear on them, but then have to take a door. So I think yeah. that's a great mindset for this audience to really think about is if we're constantly, you know, huffing and puffing mouth wide open and, and, and almost in technically in that panic state, that's yeah. the polar opposite of where we want to spend most of our time. Yeah, 100%. 
Right. Well, then, um, one more area I want to talk about before we go to to your, you know, tactical athlete um, community um, is you were kind enough to send me the book, and one of the things that struck me, and again, I, I'm I, just like you said, when when something comes along, you're like, oh, that's even better. I never really put two and two together with some of the the movements that you had shown you could use a kettlebell for instead, and for a perfect one is is a wall ball. Um, and I love that, you know, you're cleaning it up and, and spinning it and then dropping down to a squat and then reversing it. So what that really kind of sowed a seed for me is there's a lot of departments out there that really don't get a lot of support when it comes to their strength and conditioning program, if anything, um, and, and all the space in the station. So the kettlebell is really a great versatile go-to if you're not going to have the budget or space to put you know, bumpers and, you know, lifting platforms and those kind of things. So tell me about some, of you know, some of the versatility in exercises with the kettlebell specifically. Well, if you, um, you know, me and George Ryan always talk about this is like, if, if, if I was stranded like on, on a desert island or something, man, you know what I mean? Deserted island. I'd, if you have like a kettlebell, something you could do pull-ups off of, I mean, you can do CrossFit, you know what I mean? Um, if you could, you know, if you can add in something like a heavy bag, dude, you're golden. You got everything covered, you know? Um, so when it, with the kettlebell, and it really is like, you know, if you have like minimal, you know, it could be minimal space, right? Or uh, minimal equipment, kettlebell can make it all work. You know, if you're if you're in a, uh, in a fob, and say so you can't go out running, you know what I mean? Because, you know, it's dangerous. You know, you can, you can do enough swings, clean snatches, you know, in a four by four area that'll keep your cardio and everything going. You know what I mean? Um, so, that, so that's it. So you got, so you got single bell exercises, which, you know, like two arm swing, you know, uh, Russian swing, American swing, that's all good. You got, then you can swing one handed, one handed when you're doing, you know, one-handed exercises like uh, one-arm swing, it, it's building more asymmetric, right? So now your body's loaded different, you know, and it's working your back in, in, in a different way because that's, and that's probably the one thing that's uh, with a barbell, barbell, you know, Olympic lifting, I love Olympic lifting, but sometimes uh, you're missing the rotation. You definitely are missing the rotational aspect of, of training how it loads. So if you're doing one arm cleans, one arm, you know, snatches, one arm, you know, swings, I mean, that's, it's loading your back and that's, you know, that's, to me that it transfers better. Um, so just, you know, again, everything's mastery of, of the basics, you know, swing, clean, snatch, right. Then from that, you can, you can, you know, if, if for strength, and for shoulder rehab, no doubt, like armbar stretches, Turkish get-ups, phenomenal. They'll, they'll, they'll almost bulletproof your shoulders. Um, yeah, so you so you don't you don't need much, you know. Then if you really want to build power and power endurance, then you start doing doubles, like double kettlebell clean, double kettlebell, you know, push press, you know, and, and start working that. So like everybody, everybody's you know they know like uh like the crossfit workout grace right so it's what 30 30 uh, you know with the 30 cleans cleaning cleaning jerks cleaning push press 30 cleaning push presses i think for time right yeah i right? think so so uh so so this is what i say right so if, so you have two kettlebells right so uh if you have two kettlebells i don't care if 
they're 236 pound kettlebells, 253 pound kettlebells. That's fine. I want to go more than, you know, the 24 kg. And it's like, all right, man, try to do an unbroken grace, clean and jerk, two kettlebells for 30 reps. See how that feels. You know what I mean? Then it's just like, then it's like, all right, then try to bump it up. See if you can do a double grace unbroken. Dude, that, that's a whole different animal right there. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, and so, and it's building a lot, a lot of power, a lot of, a lot, lot of things. So you, it, it's complementary. And this is the other thing too. I just want to emphasize kettlebell lifting is complementary to Olympic weightlifting. You know, there, there's, you know, there's a lot of similarities. Now there's some differences because it implements a little bit there. You know, there's a couple, you know, technique, but really the principles are the same, you know? So it's very complementary. So you don't, you don't need a lot of equipment, a couple of kettlebells, plus you can do some weighted pull-ups, you know? get a bag so you get hit hit something you know keep your skills up beautiful you're describing my garage right now so that's good <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah keep it simple yeah all right well then one more thing before we transition um one area that i noticed that um we you know just just the regular programming didn't seem to address and i understand again it's it's about equipment it's about space it's about you know the it's a slightly different shift but for the fire specifically, you know, we do a lot of, you know, weight over distance. You know, we pull people out of, you know, wherever we, we advance charge hose lines that are very heavy. We carry gear from A to B. We throw ladders. So for me, I found that the strongman movements were a great complement to, you know, the CrossFit, the kettlebell movements, all the things that I was doing in the gym. Is that something that you've, you've explored as well? Yeah, again, you can't go wrong with strongman movements. Um, and the other thing too, you know, kind of with that is doing like kettlebell carries, right? And this is this is one thing I, I would do a lot, and uh, and I encourage my guys to do it too. It's like so, again, man, you're carrying carrying weight for distance, right? So you can do a couple things if you want. You know, it's so funny, man. Like one of the guys at work, uh, they're like, hey, you know, he's like, let's grab, and I don't know, man, like just. Like things like two sixteen kilogram kettlebells and let's let's walk a mile. That's what that like because you read it somewhere. I'm like, and I laughed, man. I'm like, I'm like, all right, because I know what I know what that is. You know what I mean? Because I've done that before. You know what I mean? And these guys, I'm like, yeah, let's let's do it. You know what I mean? And uh, oh, it was crushing them. It was crushing them. So so one, you could walk for distance like farmers carry, no doubt. You can go light and long distance. You can um, you can go heavy for short distance, right? Farms carry is great. You can do rack carries. Rack carries phenomenal, whether you're using two or one. I'll get into that in a second. Or you know, and you can also walk like you know over uh, you know overhead, holding a kettlebell overhead. So uh, you know, back when my kids were younger, I just come home and be like, all right, kids, you know, what I mean, grab a kettlebell and uh, and we go out out in the woods and there's some trails out there. And I'm like, all right, from you know this first half, I'm like. Keep, you know, you can switch kettlebell from hand to hand as much as you want and keep it below your waist. You know what I mean? So, so it's like a one arm carry. I go, then when we hit the turnaround point, I'm like, all right, now you got to keep it above your waist. So whether it's in the rack position or an overhead, overhead position, I thought it was great fun. You know what I mean? But I learned later in life that they, they weren't taking it, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but about, they haven't spoken to it for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> that's right man so uh and man i'm telling you like uh and, and i'll and i was doing that when i was training for the games and stuff like i put on like um you know all my tack gear and stuff like that then i just grab a kettlebell and, and that was it i you know 
if it was one kettlebell, I'd just go for go for distance and, and work different carries, you know, on the side, in the rack, sometimes overhead. If I had two kettlebells, same thing. I'd be like, you'd go it'd literally with two kettlebells, it'd be, you know, farmer's carry, rack position. Then I would just kind of just rest the kettlebells like more like up on my upper traps, you know what I mean? Just kind of give myself a little bit of break that way, you know what I mean? And, and just go. You know, and man, it, it is, it's phenomenal. Well, there was, I went and saw uh, Julian Pinot. I don't know if you know who that is. He's the fan. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. So, so when he, we did some overhead uh, yoke walks when I was training with him oh, um, man. and it was post back injury. So I, I healed my back. And again, it was, it was movement that did it. It was amazing, but he was kind of, you know, tweaking some more of the imbalances. And one of the most kind of revolutionary yet again painfully simple painfully obvious we just don't think about it was you know the the obliques and one being right-handed my left oblique was really strong so when i carried the yoke i kicked out to the side when i squatted Mm -hmm. i kicked out to the side so just by doing the suitcase carry with my weak hand lit me up with that right oblique but after a while it started putting that balance back and again just like you said a super super simple exercise with just one kettlebell on a walk yeah, no, absolutely. Hey, and, and with that, let me let me just add this for the listeners: is like if if you choose to take one kettlebell with you, or even if you're taking two on a walk, I would I would I would say this is like get a um, like uh, there's like these boxing timer apps you could download on your phone and, and set it. You know what I mean? Where every whether and it depends on the weight, depends on you know how it feels with you and stuff like that, but. But you want it dinging, you know, just say set it every minute, you know what I mean? So, you know, work is a minute. And even I, I'll use the on the boxing timer for the rest, like, it'll, you know, I'll set that for a minute. So it's a, so every minute you're switching your hand, you're switching. So because we all have a tendency to be like, like you said, if you're right handed, it would be in our right hand longer. So the key balance, if you have some sort of timer that like tells you, all right, now it's time to change position, change hands, that will keep you balanced, you know, just throwing that out there. Beautiful. No, thank you. All right. And then just staying on the tactical games for a second. So I had a, um, a veteran, Nikki Selby, who was a, a military corpsman and then nurse, and she's training mm-hmm. for that. So, so, nice. t- so tell me about the, the tactical games, because that seems to be another big wave that we're starting to see now. Yeah. Um, yep. So, uh, so my, my friend, Tim, Tim Burke, he's, he's the one who, uh, started that. And, uh, and, and, and he, he was kind enough to involve me in, in, in the early stages of it and stuff. And, uh, then I had to tap out, man, as far as like, you know, it just, I got, I had too much other stuff going on, but he, but then again, he was kind enough to, to allow me to compete, you know what I mean? And, uh, in the old man's division, but, uh, dude, the tactical games is phenomenal. It's, uh, it's basically, it's, it's just like a combination of, uh, CrossFit and shooting, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it, it's run very well. And, um, yeah, I, 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 if you're a shooter, you know what I mean? Or even if you're not, man, train up for it. You know, I, I'll tell you who's, uh, who's been crushing it. Um, uh, Greg Everett, Greg Everett's been competing at the tactical games. And, uh, and I remember I saw him, um, you know, a, couple, a year or two ago, first time I saw him, I'm like, Dude, I didn't know you were a shooter. You know, and he's like, he's laughing, man. He's like, no, I, I wasn't. He goes, but you know, one of his friends that were, you know, a seal or something, uh, was was training him. And dude, Greg's like, yeah, man. It's not only is he super powerful, man. He's he's, he's yeah, he's he's doing well. He's shooting very well. 
And, um, man, there's a few other guys, but yeah, no, for women, phenomenal, man. It's, it's, I can't think of it. The women's division's like awesome. I love, I love seeing the girls shoot and, uh, yeah, and they're, they're, they're doing well. Yeah. Doing well. well, it seems like a great, um, event to train for, therefore have a purpose for firearms yeah. training. Obviously now at the moment with ammunition being like gold, you know, it's, um, a, it's a little harder. <laughs> it, is, it is. You know, I was just talking to my brother about that. And, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, like I'm I'm not doing any events right now because, you know, most so expensive. And uh, even for training, I'm like, man, maybe I'm going to have to just break down and get some airsoft, you know, weapons and uh, just so I keep working manipulations. And, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, I don't want to shoot my ammo. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I found one range and I went and visited some friends in California, ironically, um, and they had ammo and it wasn't even, you know, hyperinflated, but you could only buy a hundred rounds per group that was shooting. So it was me and my mate. So that was only 50 rounds each. So, you know, as you know, it doesn't take long to, I mean, that was just with a pistol, but even so. I know, I know, I know. But uh, yeah, but no, but that's that's fantastic to hear about that, and I, I hope that will will get more of our law enforcement men and women, you know, excited and give them something to train for other than than qualification. Oh, absolutely, oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, it's like I, you know, anybody that's been around, you know, you know, I always tell guys at work, and I'm like, look, man, you you should always be training at such a level that, like, you know, I mean, that your qualifications like your easiest day. You know, what I mean, if, if you're worried about the qual. Dude, you, you, something's wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Something is seriously wrong. Absolutely. Well, well. Speaking of that, so this, you know, obviously these conversations are to bring, you know, highlight issues and then and then bring solutions to those issues. So, you know, you you're a wealth of knowledge. So, t- tell me about the resources available, the books you have now, the the courses you offer, so that people listening can actually immerse themselves in it. Sure. So, you know, as far as books, you know, I wrote. Um, it's called the Kettlebell RX Complete Guide for Athletes and Coaches. And uh, and really the way I designed this, and um, as you go through, it's like a huge picture book. It's uh, it, the, the guys that publish it from uh, Victory, uh, Victory Belt. And uh, so it's all color photos and things like that. And it's designed where, like, say you're in a spot where maybe you don't have a coach. You know what I mean? But, you know, I encourage guys to get a training partner. And so I go through all the – all the exercise, all the fundamentals, like, hey, this is what it is. This is what it looks like. So you see, boom, 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 right? Then it's like, hey, these are the common errors, and I show you the common errors. So so if you're like – so you could be sitting there looking at your buddy, and you look at – you know, and you can compare photos. Like, yeah, he's doing that. That looks right. And you're looking, man, that don't look right. Then you can find the common error, and I'll tell you how to fix it. You know what I mean? And um, so so you got the book. And I also – there's also a video that's on my website. Um it's called uh beyond american swing which is basically the book and video form and it's uh you know it's pretty much the same content that i was doing for crossfit and uh so you know because everybody learns different some people you know i love books you know but i also like to see things in motion so you got that then uh then you know and there's like so, so in this book is like not only is it the basic you know swings clean snatches and all that then i talk then i go through uh some of the, or I call it like, um, I talk a little bit about kettlebell juggling, I guess. And I don't want to even use the term juggling, like you're not juggling three bells. It's just like, you you know, it's like you do a swing, you release or whatever. But then anyway, there's, there's a non-flipping style that I show guys, you know, especially in tactical guys. Like, 
Yeah, I call it a tactical flow drill. It's just it's just how to move one kettlebell around around your body, how to do you know what I call figure eight drills, round the body passes, um, some tactical lunges, things like that. That really just again, man, it's easy. Like it's simple, but it, but you know, but it's working some coordination and, and it's um it strengthens your body for for fighting, you know. And then this is this is the whole thing, is uh, and is one thing. You know, my wife years ago when I first, you know, started tactical athletes, she's like, Jeff, she's like, what's, and we were, we were on a road trip. I was training this, we are doing some training with this uh, law enforcement agency and we were driving down there and she's like, what's the end goal, you know, for, you know, what are you trying to accomplish here? You know what I mean? When you're in your training, I go, I go, this is it, babe. This is, this is, this is all I care about is that I train the good guys to crush the bad guys in the most efficient manner possible and that they don't get winded or injured in the process. You know what I mean? That, that's it. You know what I mean? So everything's like through that filter. So the book is a great resource for that. And, you know, and I go through a lot of programming in the book, but then there's a lot of guys that too, that they want more programming. So I wrote another book called um, kid of a wide book, right? Which is by the, by the wide book company. Um, they, they made all these wide books for CrossFit and the kettlebell one Actually, I break it down into in, in two sections, a GPP section and like a sports specific section. Believe it or not, man, it, it, there's certain people have a hard time taking like CrossFit wads. And if all they have is a kettlebell, they, they, they have a hard time like, well, how do I make this wad? You know, how do I incorporate a kettlebell in this wad? So I'm like, dude, this is how you do it. And I, and I break it down that way. And uh, so the first part is like substituting kettlebells and a lot, a lot of the most famous uh, CrossFit wads. And then the second half gets into more sports specific. Like if you want to start dabbling in the endurance aspects of kettlebell sport. And, and I have a, uh, a program on getting good at kettlebell jerks. And I got a program in, in, in the other two programs, one on long cycle, which is your clean and jerk. Right. And, uh, and the other is a, a snatch program, how to build up to a hundred snatches uh, with either hand, you know, one hand switch. So I'm talking a hundred snatches in a row. And these are the programs, the snatch program and the long cycle program, which is your clean jerk. Those are written by my coach, um, Sergey Rudneff, who's created more world champions than anybody else, man. Like, that guy's like, he is like the Yoda when it comes to programming. And, uh, and those are the, the specific programs that took me from zero to hero in, uh, in the kettlebell sport world. You know what I mean? And so it kind of gives you an example of that. So, um, so that's it, you know, kind of book, you know, I got videos, different, got a ton of videos on my website, you know, whatever you could download them, you could buy them, whatever. Uh, but, but the, you know, as far as courses, you like, if you go, Hey, what's Jeff doing for courses? And you look and you click on courses, you'll see that there's no courses listed. And uh, part of that's because of um, the whole COVID thing. And, uh, but, but I do want to say this is like, dude, I do custom courses all the time, like for different agencies or, you know, across the box, like, Hey, I want you down. Like I'll do that. And especially for, for the agencies, like I will not post those on my, on my website, you know what I mean? Cause they're custom courses and, you know, I just won't post them, you know, but, uh, so I'm still doing stuff, <laughs> even though, it, you know, you know, it may look like I'm not doing any, you know, any courses, but I am, you know, 
Beautiful. Well, thank you for that. Now, I got one more, one more kind of tangent quickly before we go to some closing questions. And I let you go. With you <laughs> teaching defensive tactics and law enforcement, um, you know, what has been your observation? Obviously, there was some. Yeah, some horrendous, you know, worst case scenarios in law enforcement. The whole rest of the profession got demonized because of it. Um, you know, the, the, to me, the, the positive, um, actionable discussion is, is, you know, jujitsu or some sort of martial arts training, elevating the, the hands on, elevating the strength and conditioning of these officers. So the, the lethal force, you know, is used less through your lens. You know, what is your kind of philosophy of, um, you know, defensive tactics and martial arts in law enforcement? Well, I think, uh, the more, the more comfortable you are in, uh, in applying all levels of force, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like I tell guys, okay. It's like you shouldn't be emotionally attached to any one level of force or, or an instrument because not everything works it's all the time. You know what I mean? There's some guys that, you know, with military backgrounds, you know, depending on where they're, you know, like, you know, like, you know, they may favor like long distance stuff or some guys aren't, you know, favored handgun. I mean, you want to be able to go handgun, long gun, shotgun, whatever. You know what I mean? And, and same thing here. Like some guys, oh, I'm a striker, I'm a grappler. Well, you know what? It's like you need to be able to transition seamlessly all the way through all levels of force not be emotionally attached either one and the thing is you need to have a conditioning base for that because there's no there is no worse feeling in the world than you know you're giving it your all and you know and you start gassing and as you start gassing the guy you've been giving your all to hasn't really been impressed with what you've been throwing or doing (laughs) up to that point you know what i mean and that's that's that you want to avoid that right so so one solid conditioning two it's just like learn to throw a punch you know what i mean and i'm you know okay and we can talk all day about well you know then you know you can break your hand all right open hand close hand doesn't matter the mechanics are the same learn how to throw properly be if be be super efficient understand hand fighting in the clinch range you know what i mean if you know the the biggest benefit of wrestling if you understand hand fighting right the clinch game that's the other thing if somebody's like superior striker one you don't want to be on their on the end of those punches you want to be you want to smother them you know what i mean just like you smother smother a fire with a blanket right it's the same thing you step in boom control his arms and you're in the clinch range right and you know what i mean and you can control them you can take them down especially law enforcement at the end of the game at the end of the day you gotta get them in handcuffs so it's like so it, you know the safest that's the safest place to be is in tight, but you also got to be aware of, of your weapons. There's a lot of things, you know what I mean? So you have to train that, you know, and uh, obviously take down the fence, but everything's hands, head, hips, you know what I mean? Work your hands, control the head, you know what I mean? Protect your hips. But uh, yeah, it, it, you could, it's, everything's the fundamentals. It's just the fundamentals. It's not high speed. It's just applying the fundamentals, you know, um, and yeah, and the, the more comfortable you are using, you know, I mean, it's like, yeah, like there's there's people that, you know, no doubt that the daily force is justified. You, you, you need to, uh, you know, if you need, you know, if you need to shoot somebody. Yeah, absolutely. If that's the, the reasonable level for it. Yeah. You need to be accurate and all that. A hundred percent. But then I think. I think the problem, and my brother, you know, we have this discussion all the time, and, and obviously with George too. And my brother's a defensive tactics instructor and been one forever. And uh, and he's just like, you know, phenomenal. The guy, again, man, he's a phenomenal shooter, phenomenal everything he does. And uh, but the problem is, you got these, 
this is it, man. In society right now, a lot, unfortunately, you know, a lot of guys haven't been growing up fighting, wrestling, boxing, and things like that that's been traditional. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, so, you know, so a lot of times it's like, you know, haven't been doing contact sports. So it's, dude, to jump that gap from, you know, like my brother would joke and be like, hey, how many guys, you know, in this class right now? You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, um, you know, you know, you've ever been in a fight. And the thing that's crazy is there's a lot of guys that haven't, you know what I mean? And it, which blows my mind, you know, cause he'll be like, they've been in a fight because I'm not talking about like with your sister, you know what I mean? <laughs> He's like, like a real fight. But, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, man, it's just, so just, if this is your profession, right? Yeah, you, again, you should have good verbal skills, work, you know what I mean? We all got strengths and weaknesses, you know what I mean? You know, work your weaknesses, you know, learn, learn to throw a punch, you know, learn to grapple, learn, you know, take down defenses, you know, um, don't always trust that, oh, my taser is going to work, you know what I mean? Because the day it doesn't, you're going to be screwed, you know what I mean? Because there's a lot, and that's the thing, it's just like, the reason a lot of guys getting shot that don't need to be shot is because the person like doing the shootings, like, ran out of options or hasn't been training or hasn't, been, you know what I mean? And he's like, ah, and they get, they get panicky. You want to be very comfortable in the lower levels of force, you know, and, you know, it just is, it is what it is. And, and here's the thing, the suspect chooses, you know, this man, the suspect chooses what level of force you're going to use based on his actions. It's not like, you, you know, you're not like, Hey man, I feel like, you know, doing this, that, the other thing. It's like, no, it's like based on his actions, you know what I mean? he's picking what's going to happen to him and you got to be able, you got to be efficient and, and, uh, applying the right level of force at the right time. You know, it's not pretty man, but you got to be able to, you know, you got to throw it out there. You got to be comfortable with it. You know, you got to be comfortable. Just like CrossFit, be comfortable being uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Well, exactly. And that's in the training too. And I think that's, that's something that has been a recurring theme when I've asked that question is if you are, strong if you have trained if you have that physical confidence and you've had that you know martial arts training or combatives training and you're comfortable as you said with your firearms training as well you project confidence and i think that when you said about the the perpetrator choosing the action that um you know projecting that confidence hopefully will cause that person to choose a much lesser action no 100 percent, and dude and that's the thing because you know Bad guys, and this is this is the truth. I mean, how many bad guys they they make a living by assessing people, right? They that's how they pick their their targets. They assess people all the time, and they're always looking for the soft target. You know what I mean? So if you, whether you're a civilian or law enforcement, if you're like, if you're walking around, and if you're not, if you're not like having, a, I'm not saying be a jackass. I'm not. I'm like basic command presence. Let's just begin with awareness. You're upright, your head's on a swivel. You know what I mean? You you know what I mean? And uh that you know, just start there. It's just that confidence. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, when you're talking to somebody, too, you just talk to them. It's not like your voice doesn't have to go up ten octaves and like, oh you you know, I mean start, you know, that's when you know, my brother jokes about that all the time. He's like, Man, if I come on scene and the dude's like his voice on ten ten is up ten octaves and he's like, You mother and he's like swearing. He's like <laughs> he's like He'd be like, I can smell the fear. <laughs> you know, it's like, be professional, man. You know what I mean? You could, you don't have to, you know, there's time and place, you know what I mean, to say certain things, but the bottom line is, dude, be, you know, if you're confident in your abilities, it's like, hey, this is this. It's like, you know, 
But yeah, yeah, you got fundamentals, man. You know, got to be good at uh, yeah. When you need to apply apply violence, man, you, you, that's it, man. You got to let you got to lay it on. Be first, be fast. You know. Brilliant. Well, thank you for that perspective. I think it's the more the more people I get to speak to, the more input i get the more you see those lines intersect and it's always at these same places it's fitness it's training it's you know um hiring standards in the first place i mean there's all these things that i think that can set our men women up for success yeah no totally you know and you know and i'll, I'll just end with this man whether whether it's uh crossfit or you know really anything man shooting you know defensive tactics there, there's a uh, i don't i don't know who who said this but it's like uh but I like it, man. It says, you know, methods are many, principles are few. Methods always change, but principles never do. So whatever you're doing, man, just be, be you know, look at the underlying principles of it, you know, and uh, and you'll see that the guys that are coming out on top are doing the same thing, you know. Absolutely. All right. Well, then I want to transition to some closing questions so I can let you go. Um, we talked about your books. So is there a book that you love to recommend written by someone else that you you know, you, you've loved is, it doesn't have to be related to what we've discussed today. It can be something completely different. Right. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll give you, I'll give you three books. Perfect. <laughs> I'll give, please. I'll give you three, man. And, uh, you know, dude, honestly, like the first book is, uh, is written by, uh, John McDougal and, uh, it's called Jesus was an airborne ranger, bro. If you haven't read that book, I, I highly recommend it. And uh, he's uh, this guy was a chaplain of U.S. Army Rangers, and uh, you know, and uh, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal book. Um, yeah, it, it gives you a whole new perspective on life. But uh, yeah, Jesus was an airborne ranger. That'd be that'd be my first read. You know what? And um, and just out there, whether um, where people are at, you know what I mean, spiritual wise. But uh, and and it's and I'll just be honest with you, man. It's hard for tough guys to love the Lord. You know what I mean? It's not because the Lord's like, you know what I mean? It's because of this, because it's the Lord that's presented to him. The Jesus that's presented to most of the tough guys and the reason they don't want no part of him, because they think he's like, you know, some milk toast, slack jaw dude petting a sheep. You know what I mean? He's like, <laughs> with long hair. <laughs> yeah, with long hair, man. It's like, who's this hippie? You know what I mean? and, uh, but no, man, he's the ultimate warrior. And uh, dude, I'm telling you, like, especially military guys, I don't care what parents, service unit, you will love this book. You know what I mean? Anyway, it's, just, it's an awesome book. Very great history in it. Um, it's phenomenal. Then um, actually kind of the same, kind of along the same way, good leadership book is uh, uh the mission, the men and me, you know, pretty famous book, uh, Pete Blaver, former, uh, you know, officer in, uh, Delta and CAG and, uh, phenomenal leadership book for everybody. And again, great stories, great principles. And the last one is a uh, little book of talent, 52 tips for improving skills by uh, Daniel Coe coil, uh, little book of talent. Phenomenal. As far as like, dude, how to get on top of your game. That's, uh, yeah, do no matter what you do. It's really 52 tips for improving skills. Yeah, it's priceless. Brilliant. Well, thank you. I hadn't heard of two of them. Mission Man and me, obviously, I had. But uh, the other two, I'll definitely put that on my list. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. No, you'll love them, man. You'll love them. Well, then, uh, next question. Is there a movie and or a documentary that you love? Oh, man. Uh Dude, I'm kind of old school in my movies, you know what I mean? Um, 
don't know. Yeah, it is like so many good movies, like like old school, like I Love Josie Wells, like The Gladiator. Um, ah man, there's some others in there, but uh, we'll just leave it at that, I guess. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So then, next question: Is there a person that you recommend to come on this podcast as a guest to speak to the first responders, military, and uh, excuse me, the uh, first responders, military, and associated professions of the world? Hmm. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly who. Uh, my friend Jim, who uh, he, he's the one who introduced me to uh, CrossFit. The Thirty years uh, with the DOJ, and um, he's uh, he's also a jujitsu black belt. He's uh, yeah, he's got he's got a lot of mad skills, man. He he's he stood up some good teams. Uh, yeah, Jim Waddell. And, and I'll give you his contact info later. So perfect. Thank you so much. All right. Well, then the last question before we make sure everyone knows where to find you and your work. What do you do to decompress? <laughs> uh, man, everything I do really for a profession is like what I what I like doing for decompression. You know what I mean? I love uh, love to shoot. Love to train with kettlebells. Love to hit the bag. Um, no doubt, man. Like. Uh, reading the Bible, you know, I mean, it's probably one of my highlights, you know, um, trying to get insight and, uh, kind of keep me grounded. But, um, and that's about it, man. It's really everything that I do is, is, is not stressful, you know? <laughs> Brilliant. All right. Well then for everyone listening, where can they find you online? Where can they find the books? And if they want to reach out to you, do you have any social media? Yeah. So, the uh, great question. So website, you know, www, you know, tathlathlete.com, right? That, you know, and, and honestly, if you, uh, if you got a question for me, I'd say just shoot me an email. It's just Jeff, J-E-F-F at tathlathlete.com. Uh, you know, I, I do have social media like, uh, you know, Facebook and, and, but Man, I, I really, I don't stay on top of it like I should, but, uh, but if you really, if, if you're interested, you know, in anything, just, 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 just shoot me an email. It'll work. Perfect. Well, Jeff, Actually, wait, wait, let me backtrack. <laughs> right. CC orders at tacticalathlete.com. That's my, uh, Mark, Mark's at orders. And, uh, if you do both of us, like, dude, he'll keep me on track because either I run hot and cold, like, I try to respond really fast, but man, if, if, if I don't, Mark will make sure that I do, you know what I mean? So email both of us, orders at Tap Gladly and Jeff. At Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, Jeff, I want to say thank you so much. Uh, thank you to George for connecting us. But again, you know, you were, you know, one of the founding fathers in, in American kettlebell, then, you know, the kettlebell and CrossFit. Um, you know, obviously you've been training the tactical space for a long time. So it's been an honor talking. And I just want to say thank you for you being so generous with your time today. Hey, thank you, James. It's an honor to be on your show. 